The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the 53rd episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Walt alongside Kyle Allen. We're two members of the class of 2017 who are obsessed with Bonnie's basketball. Kyle, welcome to you. Alec, I'm excited for this week. The Bonnies are back in Brooklyn. The madness is about to begin, and we have a special guest on today, Matt Martucci. I'm going to let you introduce him. Yeah, Kyle, we have a very special guest on today's show. I'm really excited to speak with him. If any of you watched that Bonnies-Davidson game on Stadium, you're going to hear a very familiar voice. Joining us is ESPN play-by-play announcer, Stadium TV play-by-play announcer, and the voice of the St. Joe's Hawks, it's Matt Martucci. Matt, welcome to the show. Guys, happy Monday of Championship Week. Um, I, I would like it to be Wednesday already. I'm waiting for Brooklyn to start. But thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. One of the best storylines in this Atlantic 10 season was the Bonnies getting a double bye in Brooklyn. Where did you originally think the Bonnies would finish, and how surprised are you that they finished in fourth? That's a great question. You know, I, I think there were obviously plenty of unknowns with this Bonaventure team. You start with what you did know, that you did have Courtney Stockard and Ladarian Griffin as your veterans and uh, a guy like Nelson Caputo that obviously played in a bunch of games. So you knew you, you did have some experience, but your unknowns and your question marks were what were you going to get from this freshman class? I think you looked at Oshun Oshuni's upside and you thought, wow, this kid's going to be a really good player in, in a year or two. He turned out to be a pretty good player right now. Kyle Lofton, same thing. Obviously knew his pedigree. The fact that he had put together an, an extra year up at Putnam Science Academy and that there was a lot of potential there. Dominic Welch, obviously the leading scorer at all time in, in Western New York, boys' high school history. So those guys look good on paper, but how were the three of them necessarily going to adjust to the college game? And I, I think you've seen your answer. Bonaventure from the three of them getting uh, about 30 points a game, rebounds, assists, obviously with the way Oshuni uh, impacts the game, blocking shots. So the, the long answer, I guess, where did I expect them to finish? Probably about middle of the pack. Am I surprised that they're here? No. Mark Schmidt is one of the best coaches in this league and one of the most underrated in Division One, And I think we've seen it countless times, what he's capable of doing when he has guys that buy in and when he has pieces that fit his roster and fit what he's trying to do up there in Olean. And I think this is just case in point, another example of a team that's playing good basketball, peaking at the right time, and is every bit deserving of its top four seeds that it ended up getting in that double bye. I think Bonnie's fans should be really proud that this team is way ahead of schedule. Matt, you're right yeah. on point with that, with this being one of Schmidt's best years. He's had a lot of good years, obviously, last year being the pinnacle of his success bringing the Bonnies to an NCAA tournament now with you know as you had said what the season you know was expected to be an unknown would you say this conference season was his best coaching job of his career barring what he had to work with and you know a lot of guys that were not really highly recruited coming out of high school uh, besides us soon yeah I mean the only thing I would say where you could argue for the, the first A-10 tournament title run with Nicholson and Charlotte Kloop. 
uh, and those guys, obviously, they were a good team. They had an NBA player, but I'm not sure that a lot of us necessarily expected that that year. This year, it's a little bit more wide open of a league, save for what VCU has done this year. I mean, I, I think anyone can essentially win in Brooklyn, even outside of VCU. I could easily see, not easily, but I could see them getting picked off for sure. Uh, up there, and I wouldn't be surprised by it at all, necessarily. So he's in his best coaching job? I don't know if that's without a doubt yes. I I would say it's darn close if it's not. He's certainly done uh, an awful lot with a lot of young talent in a short span of time. Matt, the Bonnies have a few potential opponents on Friday. As you said, you're going to be doing the Wednesday games, the 12 and 13 seed. George Washington versus UMass game is Wednesday. The winner of that will be playing George Mason. Who do you think the Bonnies are going to be playing Friday? Is it upset potential Thursday with a matchup with George Mason between one of those teams and George Washington and UMass? I mean, we know what Luani Pipkins can do as a player for UMass. Who do you think the Bonnies are going to be playing this Friday? Uh, honestly, I, I think from what I saw out of George Mason on Saturday, against GW, they could have honestly done one of two things. They could have taken this season after after getting their doors blown off by VCU on their senior night on Tuesday, and they could have just said, you know what, we're going to pack it in, we're not going to show up Saturday, and we're we're going to lose a game to a GW team that, that frankly hasn't been very good this year. Or they could have done the opposite, which is what they did. Uh, they showed up, they played in, a, in an arena in the Smith Center where they had never won a game in that series, and they more than showed up in a big way. They not only showed up, they blew the doors off GW, and they were able to get themselves a five seed by virtue of a couple other balls bouncing their way with both St. Louis and, of course, Duquesne losing on Saturday. So the wrong answer is I, I think it's probably the 4-5 matchup. I think it goes chalk in that Mason beats whoever the winner of that game is may very well be UMass, despite what happened to them on Saturday. I'm honestly, I'm not, not even sure if Pipkins will play in that game, simply because he's battled injuries, he's kind of been in and out, so I'm, I'm not completely sure exactly what's going to happen there. Will he actually be in the lineup for them? He had also, I, I think, announced in the last two weeks, they made this public knowledge that he's not going to be in Amherst anymore after this year, that he's going to take his last year somewhere else. So uh, there are kind of a lot of interesting questions in that game. GW, DJ Williams hasn't really been himself the last four or five games. What are they going to get out of him? So I think there are a lot of factors there. There are a lot of things that might hamper either one of those teams, no matter who comes out of that game, from beating George Mason. The other thing that you want to factor in for Mason, Donar Mar came back kind of experimentally at the end of that GW game late. So they're going to have another body, one of their best on-ball defenders, and You know, who knows what they're going to get out of him, but just psychologically, the idea that he's going to be back and have a chance to play, I think bodes very well for them. So the long answer of it is George Mason comes out of Thursday and plays the body. So if the Bonnies end up beating UMass, George Mason, or George Washington, the best possible team they could play in the semifinals is VCU. I know it's a lot easier said than done, and the Bonnies lost to this team by 30 earlier this year, but if the Bonnies play VCU, what do they need to do to beat them? Boy. Uh, it's a tall order. Uh, honestly, based on the first time around, they, they need to make shots, number one, because everything seemingly went well for BCU in that first half, and nothing went well for the Bonnie. Uh, I don't have the box score necessarily in front of me, but that's what I remember most about that. That game was seemingly the perfect storm for BCU offensively, where everything went right for the Rams, and nothing went right uh, on the Bonnie's side. 
So I, I think that's the biggest thing more than anything. It's, you know, what kind of start do you have? How are you coming out of the gate? Because it's the VCU team that is as deep as anybody out there, and when they're turning you over and when they're defending, can essentially do whatever it wants. I saw it firsthand uh, on Tuesday night and again on Friday. When they're right, they're as good a team in the country as you'll find and a team that honestly is going to give people a, a lot of problems in the NCAA tournament. Matt, your fellow counterpart, Joe Lenardi, was speaking about, you know, a team that could come out of the A-10 for the NCAA tournament is Dayton, a team with sleeper potential. Do you agree with your fellow counterpart that this team, bearing on, you know, how they do in the A-10 tournament, could be the sleeper um, this year? I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. My biggest question with them, and I think it's the question a lot of people have about Dayton, what are they going to do outside of Dayton, you know, at a neutral site? Obviously, they'll, they'll travel very well, but I, I think the biggest thing with Dayton historically in this tournament is what are they going to look like when they're outside of their own building? I, I think they obviously have plenty of talent. Obi Toppin is the best freshman in this conference in quite some time. Josh Cunningham is sufficient of a big man, as you'll find, when he's himself. Jalen Crutcher and, and Davis are both very good guards. Uh, I don't know that I would quite put them in, in the upper echelon in terms of backcourts because there are some better ones. Obviously, Evans is with VCU, and you talk about what Davidson has. Davidson, I think, pound for pound, has the best one in the league, and Goodmanson and Grady in terms of one-two punches. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why Dayton couldn't come out as a potential sleeper. They're athletic enough. Uh, they obviously have enough talent. We all know the, the book on Davidson. When they're hot, when they're shooting well, they could beat anybody on any given night or any given afternoon. You know, we haven't necessarily seen it as much with them uh, on the road this year, but it's, it's very possible with what they have. Uh, they have a lot of guys that are playing really good basketball outside of, of Goodmanson and Kellen Grady. You know, Keyshawn Pritchett is a really good role guy. Luka Brykovich uh, has played really well down the stretch for them. So they have a lot going for them at the right time. So I, I would throw Davidson in the conversation as well, uh, not necessarily as a sleeper because they're a two-seed, but as a team that, yeah, maybe they could come out of the A-10. And that's, that's what one of these teams is going to have to do, uh, ideally, in order to do that. All right, Matt, who do you think is going to meet in the finals, and who will win the Atlantic 10 tournament? Who's meeting in the finals? I will go chalk for the, the one side of the bracket and say that you're talking about VCU uh, because they're one of the few teams that I think can, in fact, win three games in three days. Who's coming out uh, of the bottom of the bracket? I mean, not, nothing too surprising, I don't think. Uh, I'm going to go with Dayton, actually, because I, I think their road is favorable. They can beat St. Louis if St. Louis comes out of that game. And then if it's not Davidson... If it's uh, a Duquesne or a St. Joe's, uh, they've already shown that they could beat both of those teams and, you know, not fairly comfortably in both of those games. So I'll go more or less almost full chalk. I will say BCU and Dayton in the finals with BCU going with not only the already in comfortably with an at-large, but getting the conference is automatic as well. Matt, um, a fellow ESPN play-by-play guy, Mike Corey, when – he was doing the VCU game this past Friday. He was speaking uh, with Lenardi when he had him on discussing bracketology. Just, you know, going forth into the future, where do you see this conference next year? Do you think they could be a three, potentially even four-team conference getting multi-bids next year in the Atlantic 10 tournament? I, you know, am dreaming of when in 2013, I think it was, when we had six teams in. 
what is it going to take to get this conference back to that type of level? Because right now there's a lot of young talent in this league, and I think in a year or two we're going to be talking about three or four teams in the conference. I wanted getting into the NCAA tournament. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Would you agree? I absolutely would, Kyle. I mean, the first point that you made about youth is spot on. What's the hardest thing about winning in this league? Having freshmen and sophomores. There are obviously outliers there, St. Bonaventure being one of them this year, with the idea that they, they do have three freshmen now in their starting lineup. But you look at a, a lot of the younger teams in this league, and you know they're about where you thought they would be. VCU has some young guys, but you look at their leadership, it's a Marcus Evans, who's now at a, at a second school and is, is a veteran in this conference. You know, it's an Isaac Van. It's guys like that. It's, you know, coming off the bench. It's guys that have been around. You're Michael Simpsons. You're Malik Crowfield. So that, that's why I think, you know, their core has kind of been what it is. So I, I think it, in terms of the youth of this league, it makes uh, an awful lot of sense that there are only one or potentially two or maybe three teams this year. You're going to have to have Dayton and Davidson make a whole lot of noise in this conference tournament. But, yeah, can it get back? It absolutely can. I mean, look at Rhode Island with Gowton and Russell. They're not gone yet. Look at Tyrese Martin and, and what they have. Look at Duquesne with Eric Williams as one of the better players in this league as a sophomore. Mike Hughes, who's just a young guy and really is, is only playing his first full season of college basketball because he dealt with injuries. So I, a sincere carry, uh, another guy. I'm just kind of thinking of guys on the fly here as, as we talk about it. But, yeah, overall, it's it's a very young league. So what will it take to get the league back? Guys just have to get older. I know that's not the sexiest answer in the world, but winning is a learned behavior. And, you know, the, the older that some of these guys get, the more that they do that in tight spots, in crunch situations, you get used to that. And you don't cough up tight games. It's not like this conference didn't have opportunities non-conference schedule, it's just even in the games that were tight, they didn't win a lot of those games. But I point to the youth of the league. It's just, it's an outlier more than anything for the 8-10 as a whole. I have no qualms or doubts or anything about whether or not this league can get itself back to where it consistently is, which is a multiple-bid league with the chance to make some serious noise on the first couple days of the tournament and pushing even further into the second weekend. All right, Matt, before we go, how can our listeners best keep in touch with you on social media? Uh, easy enough. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all the same. ToochPXP on all three. So Facebook.com slash ToochPXP. You know, you could go at ToochPXP on Twitter or on Instagram. But, yeah, pretty active on, on all three of those platforms and look forward to, uh, to anything that, that folks have to say. So appreciate it, fellas. Looking forward to Brooklyn. All right, that's Matt Martucci, ESPN play-by-play announcer, stadium TV play-by-play announcer, and the voice of the St. Joe's Hawks. Thank you very much for joining the show. All right, guys. Have a great one. You too. Thank you. That's going to be it for this episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Walt alongside Kyle Allen. Tune in next week as we keep you up to date with all things St. Bonaventure basketball. Thank you for listening, and have a good night.